<laughs> is this gonna be a kid-friendly show? Yeah, we're getting no, 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 no cursing words in this show. What counts as cursing words? You can say farts. Oh, say, farts! You can say. Uh, can I say jerk? You can say jerk. Can't say any of the swearing words. Though. What about? D no, don't say. D but these aren't exactly kid-friendly movies. <laughs> They're not kid-friendly movies. We don't need to talk. We don't need to talk about them in an un. We don't need to talk about them in a kid-friendly way. We can discuss like what happens in the movies and things like that. But we don't have to get all. We don't have to get blue and talk all raw. That would be. Uh, so I can say butts. You can say butts. You can say look at them butts, or I sure do like all those butts. <laughs> Two things I would never say. <laughs> so uh, okay. So, whenever we want to begin, I guess we'll begin. We don't really have a title for this show yet. No, we don't. Nope, I have not come up with anything that sounds good. I was tossing around ideas like... Guillermo Teenager and their dad. The teenager Dad, Doro, Del Teenage Del Teenager. Del Teenager. <laughs> del Teenager sounds like a terrible, <laughs> terrible store in the mall where you could buy like... It's like Del Taco, but... Teenagers. How do you even know what a Del Taco is? <laughs> what do you mean? Where is there a Del Taco in your life? The internet. But I mean, okay, do you go to the <laughs> Del Taco webs? Do they still exist? Is Del, Del Ta Taco? Yeah. Because I grew up with Del Taco. Del Taco existed in my neighborhood before there was even a Taco Bell. Like Del Taco is where we would get like. They're very popular and or not popular. There, there's a lot of them in California. Oh, I guess. There was a Del Taco and. Then they changed ownership or management or something, and they became really gross. They started putting this gross sauce and everything that we all hated, so we stopped mm -hmm. going to Del Taco. And then they closed down and became... Taco Bell? A Taco Bell. Um, but no, we were loyalists, loyalists, Del Taco loyalists as kids, like as a kid. as a, We were Del Taco loyalists as a family when I was a kid. But this isn't about Del Taco. This is about Del Toro. <laughs> Guillermo, Guillermo, Guillermo. Wow, I'm just not going to be able to say his name. Guillermo? 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 Guillermo del Toro. Guacamole. I've known... Uh, Guillermo. I am Mexican, by the way. And Guillermo is one of the hardest names I have ever... Isn't it Guillermo? No, Guillermo. <laughs> this is getting off to the worst start. <laughs> this is not a good sign. So, hello everyone. This is uh, This is a... Hello, everyone. I'm Phil. I'm Oliver. And we are talking about Guillermo del Toro, the Mexican filmmaker, well known for his genre delights. Genre delights. His genre delights. Uh, this whole podcast will be focused on the works of Guillermo del Toro, and we're going to be going chronologically through his through his works. Through his works. Mm -hmm. Why am I repeating what you're saying? You don't have to repeat what I say. You can just... <laughs> I mean, don't just nod, because... That doesn't mean anything. Uh, <laughs> we're going to be going chronologically through Guillermo del Toro's movies, movies and, and I guess some TV shows, some of his TV stuff. Uh, maybe maybe we'll hit on his, some of his writing if we have the time. But uh, I always have the time. So just just to lay it out on the table, we're not neither of us are film experts. Speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> neither of us have studied film. Neither of us are. Well, I guess we're both smart. We're both smart people. That's very true. But uh, we wanted to really just talk about his movies. And I realized that 
wow, there's only a few of them. Like he hasn't put out a whole lot of films yet because mm-hmm. he only he works a long time on his movies, which is good because then they're really good. Yeah, and he but he's only I mean he's only been making movies since the late '90s. So uh, and at the pace he makes them, he's only got like what like nine, eight or nine, nine. Sit here, we can just sit here and count on our fingers. Uh, let's see: Chronos, Mimic, Devil's Backbone, Hellboy, Hellboy Pan's Labyrinth, Hellboy, Hellboy Two. two. Uh, 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 is that when Pacific Rim comes in? I think so. Pacific Rim and uh, Crimson Peak. It's good because I almost said Crimson Tide, and that's a whole other movie. It's not Crimson Tide. So that's just eight. Is it just the eight? I feel like there's more. And then in between, he did the Strain pilot and uh, produced a ton of stuff. He all It was because of the gap where he almost did The Hobbit. Right. And that was when he was producing The Hobbit for so long. So I believe those are all of his films. So we've only got eight major films. Troll Hunters. Well, that's the thing. So there's this sort of expanded Guillermo del Toro universe, including his novels in the Strain series, mm-hmm. um, including this TV stuff he's produced, like uh, Troll Hunters. Mm-hmm. Um and I believe he wrote the first episode of that. Yes. I think we'll figure that out when we get to we'll it. We'll figure it out. But it, it, on Netflix, it specifically says by Guillermo del Toro. Yeah. However you say it. Guillermo, Guillermo del Toro. <laughs> <laughs> Should we, we just look up a pronunciation of his we'll name? We'll just call him GDT. <laughs> we'll just call him GDT. You know, he started off for 10 years. He was a special effects and makeup mm-hmm. artist. Like he worked in the industry. Like, And I love, I love the fact that like his story is... You know, he was making Super 8 films as a child, and he just made, like, just, he just started making movies, just because he loved movies so what much. What is Super 8 films? Super 8 is, uh, it's, a it's, it's, a Super 8 cameras were, like, a very, they were a very common type of film camera that, mm-hmm. uh, they were a consumer-grade film camera that, uh, you could use just, I, I don't even, I don't even know if they had synced sound. I'm not even sure if they had sound, but, uh. But a lot of filmmakers cut their teeth on Super 8 films. There was a movie called Super 8. That we went to that see. That we went to see in the movie theater. And it was called Super 8 because I was have a camera they used. Okay. That's, um, I, that's what I was about to ask you. It was kind of like like my first film camera. Like it was just a way to like, because you use film stock. You had to learn how to use film stock in order to use it effectively. Yeah. And, as opposed to video. So, uh, but he got to start making making Super 8 films. Uh, little short, short films. Uh, only two of which I believe have been released to the public. One of which geometria 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 i don't know how to speak spanish i'm mexican <laughs> geometry it's just called geometry have been released to the public okay. like to, to see and the other ones you know they're like for you know his, his early work and he's not like keen to show them off but uh but eventually he got to make a, a feature-length film called chronos and that's what we're here to talk about yeah. uh chronos which is uh which gives us our first hint as to what this movie is about which is time in the passing Kronos of time. is the Roman name for the Titan. Or no, it's the Greek name for the Titan. Cronus <laughs> right. is the same as Saturn, right? Or yeah. kind of the kind of the equivalent of Saturn? Yeah, kind of uh Kronos is the father of the gods, like Zeus and all those people, but he is also the keeper of time. Mm. Hence the reason he has the scythe and why death has a scythe. Yes. And that's very much what this story is about, is the passage of time. And uh trying to kind of fight against that. And so one thing we're going to do in the show is we're going to sort of track the Guillermo, Guillermo <laughs> del... GDT. The GDT-isms. We're going to tra- track the del Toro-isms and just 
seeing how many of these little themes of his run through all of his movies, which is fun because and we're, this isn't going to be like a major like we're not looking to like do major in-depth analysis of each film, but just sort of like celebrate the movies, talk about them, what do we think about them and find these little like del Toroisms all throughout them because there's so many that he repeats. Um, so Kronos, uh, what's Kronos about? The movie starts with the legend of this alchemist who makes this, who's obsessed with not dying. He makes this thing that's like a scarab beetle. It's like pretty and golden and it latches onto you and makes you generally immortal. Not invincible, but immortal. <laughs> <laughs> and you find out that there was this fire, I think it was. In his in his house, house like it, it, the building collapsed. Somehow. Yeah, the building collapsed. This was like hundreds of years ago. Actually, it it was years hundreds ago. of years ago. He created it. Yeah, thing. but l- hundreds of years later, you find out this building collapsed and that his body. Oh, that's right. Was discovered, but he had technically been alive up until then. Right, right. And he had been killed by a wooden stake through the heart. Right, just coincidentally, wooden yeah. stake through the heart. And they uh, found what are they, up in his attic was a. A naked man, yes, hanging upside down with blood because with blood. big buckets of blood all around him. Yeah. yeah, but what does that mean? We don't know yet. And there's a zoom in of this statue of the angel dude. What's his name? Was it a specific angel? I yeah, was that Gabriel it was, or I thought it was Michael or something. One of the angels. One of the it's angels. It's an angel statue. We don't. We're not religious. <laughs> um, <laughs> you see that the uh, the Chronos. I think that's what it's called. Yeah, the device. The, the device, device is hidden in the statue. Yeah. And the antiques dealer buys the statue, and it's in his store, and you can explain the rest of it. Oh, well, okay, so then, uh, then so this antiques dealer, whose name is Jesus uh, Gris, mm-hmm. which means gray Jesus, which I like, he's gray Jesus, he's all gray Jesus, um, but hold on to that, there might be religious symbolism coming <laughs> up. Um, his name is Jesus Gris, he's an old man, uh, he has a little granddaughter and he lives with his wife who mm-hmm. it took us a while to figure out that was his wife i thought maybe it was his daughter at first because she seems a lot younger than him but i think it's because they play up how old he is originally because yeah. they do some de-aging stuff later on but uh and this guy comes into the store who's sort of like creeping around the statue that he has yeah. and uh later on he discovers it within the statue the chronos device but before that before that there's cockroaches. There's cockroaches that come pouring out of the Chronos device, and that's another one. So bugs. We've got the Del Toro thing of bugs. Oh, he loves him some bugs. And uh, the device itself we didn't mention. It's this clockwork device. I guess we haven't yeah. seen it in action really yet. Yeah, no. But uh, it's but this little, it's con- it's a contraption, and he loves contraptions. Little trinkety contraption. Yeah. So yeah. So, so bugs pour out of this statue, and... Uh, the little girl's just like... Nope. <laughs> yep. And uh, they they manage to they they open up the statue mm-hmm. and they find the Chronos device. There's also so there's also this subplot going on. This simultaneously there is a story of this old old man. Older man. Yes. Well, is he older or is he younger? Because he's he's dying. He's dying. There's a guy who's dying and of cancer. His body's like riddled by cancer, and he's trying to find this Chronos device. So he sends out his son. Yes. He, no, his nephew. His nephew. Ron Perlman. His nephew, Ron Perlman. Which is the great Ron Perlman. Let's put that another one to Del Toroism up there. That is the great Ron Perlman. Ron Perlman is in so many Guillermo del Toro movies. Uh, but not Pan's Labyrinth. Not Pan's Labyrinth. But uh, you, if you grew up in the 1980s like I did, uh, you recognize Ron Perlman. He was already well known to me from the TV series Beauty and the Beast with Linda Hamilton, in which he played the Beast. 
Uh, that's what made him famous. And he was a romantic figure. He was on all kinds of talk shows when I was a kid because they would have him on as his curiosity because he's a super smart actor. He's mm-hmm. incredibly nice. He's incredibly smart. He's a great actor. But he's very unusual looking. Like he looks like you can see him turning into a, a werewolf. Like he has this sort of like brow and these eyes. He's very intense. And this chin. But he was this, he was a sex symbol. Like growing up, he, women and others were like, oh, Ron Perlman. Once he started making these like sort of artsy, he makes he started making a lot of artsy foreign films. And, and he uh, always plays a jerk. He always plays a jerk. Oh, even, farts. Even when he's a nice guy, he's always a little bit of a jerk. Um, so, yeah. So Ron Perlman is sent to find this thing. And uh, he is not happy about having to live with his uncle. No, he's not. They do not get along. <laughs> But he so he buys the statue mm-hmm. from the from the from Jesus from Jesus. <laughs> he buys the, the statue, statue from, from Jesus. Jesus. What a deal! What a deal! <laughs> uh, he buys the statue from Jesus. Of course, they get it back, and there's nothing in it. Yeah. So they start playing with the little Chronos device, mm-hmm. and it has a little button on top. It looks like a jewel. That's a good. They always press mysterious buttons. So, so you, they definitely don't lead to bad things. But it's this crazy thing. It's like it's it's a scarab. So you're going to hold it in your hand when you press the button. So it's mm-hmm. set up automatically. You press the button, you hear the clockwork start. These legs shoot out the sides and grab like, onto your hand. Well, but first, you don't know they're going to grab onto your hand because right. there's this long pause. pause. Yep, they shoot they out. Like, and they're kind of like the face hugger legs. Yeah. Yeah, so you're holding this and you're looking at this thing like, huh, what's this? Then they grab on. They don't grab on. They rip into your <laughs> hand. <laughs> Something happens. You don't really see in the beginning. Something happens to the palm of your hand. Mm-hmm. And then a tail comes out with a stinger on the end. But that doesn't happen so, yet. Yeah, right. Um, so this happens to the old man, and he pulls it off, and it's like his hand is cut up, and he's pretty worried. He's like, um. <laughs> so he wraps his hand up, and what ends up happening is... He gets hooked. Yeah, what it does is it creates this... Something starts happening to him. He wakes up in the middle of the night. He's dying of thirst. And he goes and he finds the Kronos device again, and he sticks it on his hand. And it then he lets the little tail come out, and it. The little girl though witnesses all right, of this, right. and she's like, "Um." Yeah, because he's having like the time of his life. This thing is doing something to the old man after stabbing him in the arm. Yep, Ugh. and he wakes up the next morning invigorated. He's young. He's getting younger, mm-hmm. and and when he walks into his store. It is ransacked. Right. He gets to his store and the whole place has been trashed by Ron Perlman. Um, so he goes and confronts Ron Perlman, tricks them into thinking he's giving them the Kronos device. and But he doesn't. He just leaves them like a lock. So there's this little war going on between the the rich old man who's dying and the Jesus old man, <laughs> the who's, Jesus who's, old man. who's the opposite of dying. He's resurrecting. Um, he's becoming younger and more like vibrant and vivacious and he goes out dancing with his wife to the new year's eve dance Mm -hmm. and the little girl does not want to be at that dance no she does not because there's a creepy guy dressed as a clock in case you forgot this is a call movie called chronos and it's about time (laughs) there's a creepy guy dressed as a clock it's a new year's eve dance but a guy gets a nosebleed at the dance yeah and he sees the nosebleed jesus jesus sees the (laughs) nosebleed he follows him into the bathroom because there's something about seeing that nosebleed that makes him like sit up and take notice. And then we get one of the most distressing moments in the entire movie, which is where Jesus goes, the, the, the man has a nosebleed and there's blood on the floor and he leaves the bathroom. And you can see Jesus gets down on his hands and knees and licks the blood off the 
tiles. So not only is he licking a bathroom floor, oh, which is probably the most revolting thing I can think of at the moment, he's licking man another man's blood. Nose blood. Nose blood off the bathroom floor. And it is shown in delightful close-up. I mean, it's just a guy licking something off the like licking like you know it's not you know but it's so gross and then he gets knocked unconscious who knocks him unconscious uh he's he's gets knocked out by uh, ron perlman who's followed him in there yeah and they drags him to a cliff and shoves him off the cliff in his car well he accidentally kills him oh he right beats him up so bad because his uncle is so angry at him that he's just getting frustrated and uh he beats up the old man puts him in his car shoves it off a cliff and then he goes back to his uncle who hits him in the face with his cane, <laughs> which happens several times in this movie. Oh, so I wanted to point out, hand trauma happens in this movie. Uh, that Kronos device bites into your hand. That's a Del Toro thing. You're mm-hmm. going to see a lot of hand trauma. We've looked at the creepy artifact. Um, in Ron Perlman's uncle's dwelling, he sleeps on a bed under a, a gauzy curtain. Yeah. And that's another thing. You're going to see gauzy curtains in Del Toro's movies. Because, like, you know, just seeing shadows behind gauzy curtains. Yeah. You get an old villain scared of death. You have the uh, clockworkery. Uh, God. Already we see God invoked. We see crosses. We see Catholicism a lot. We see Jesus. <laughs> yeah, it's all throughout <laughs> this movie. Um, and we see old people who still got it going on. And that's something that you'll see in a couple of Del Toro movies. He doesn't yeah. shy away from, from you want to cover your ears from this, for this one, cover your ears. Older people having sex drives. Old people have sex drives? I didn't know. Nope. Sorry to break it to you. Body horror, uh, which is, for like those of you who aren't familiar with chunks it. Chunks of skin getting yeah. peeled off his face. Uh, body horror, for those of you who aren't familiar with the term, is it's basically like the, uh, it's, it's, it's fiction that, that, finds its horror in the fact that something uncontrollable is happening to you physically and that's what starts happening to him uh once he starts getting these urges he starts noticing uh he has like wounds in it when he gets wounds in his body there's like a sticky substance Mm -hmm. underneath his skin that he can't quite figure out what it is there's a a few scenes in front of like mirrors that are very very reminiscent of cronenberg's the fly where you see a person looking in the mirror and noticing that there's some changes happening to their to their skin. He starts getting on this wax. His skin starts taking on a waxy texture. I thought it was more of a marble. He- well, his his skin skin, not this not the white oh, skin. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah, so he goes over the cliff. Ron Perlman gets beaten up by his uncle for letting the guy die. He die he dies in the accident. Like you hear his oh, thoughts. Yep. You hear his thoughts. He gets taken to the the coroner. Or like the uh, he gets he's getting a few funeral home like he's dead, they sew up his mouth, they get him ready for cremation, and then on the cremation table as they're about to wheel him in, when they're not looking, when the when the guy who's about to wheel him in isn't looking, he gets out of the casket, the wooden box, mm-hmm. scrapes together some clothes, and sets off to well he goes back home mm-hmm. and he finds his granddaughter again. But not his wife. Uh, but not his wife. He doesn't want her to see him like that. That's why oh. he writes. He writes a bunch of letters that he he keeps dictating letters, mm-hmm. or writing letters. He's writing. He has. I remember the little girl has like a tray of letters that he's thrown away just because he can't phrase it correctly. Something's happening to his body. Um, his skin is starting to peel away, and underneath it is like this white marble-like skin. marble-like skin. Um, he can't be in sunlight anymore. It hurts him to be in the sun. And uh, he knows that he has a craving for blood. 
Now, we haven't used the V word yet. Vampire. Oh, I was like, what's the V word? <laughs> we haven't used the vampire word yet to talk about this movie, but this is where, this is definitely a version of the vampire movie. Vampirism, vampirism. Vampirism, another del Toro thing. He comes back to vampires time and again in his stories. Uh, Blade 2. Oh, did we forget Blade 2? Yes, we forgot, we Blade, forgot Blade, Blade 2. That's it. We forgot Blade 2. Blade 2, he comes back to vampires in. Uh, the Strain, obviously, he comes back to vampires in, and he is a big proponent of the trope our vampires are different he's always trying to do something different with vampires make them a little gruesomer make them a little more animalistic or in this case like the product of technology mm-hmm. like this weird hybrid of technology and magic no because it's not even magic it's alchemy. yeah i guess and it's in its biology it's that mm-hmm. little insect that bug which so, we've finally gotten to see at this right point. so there's a, a bug living inside the chronos device which is also immortal <laughs> Well, there's a whole scene where he he confronts the other old man, the man who's dying of cancer, and who has a book about the Kronos device, where it's like, well, it was the original Alchemist book. Yeah. And there's some weird talk about how, like, insects are inherently immortal, which is weird, because I'm like, I don't think they are, but... Who knows? (laughs) There's an insect inside the Kronos device that feeds on your blood, and then it injects, when you let the stinger into you, it, it injects you with something that is keeping you alive. But you, so his body is falling apart, and it's the he he goes to confront the old the old man who's dying. Jesus goes to confront the old man. Jesus, Jesus, and that's when the old man's like, "You you need blood, like you need human blood. You haven't figured that out, like you're you need human blood." Oh, and the girl is there this entire time, right? He brings his granddaughter with him, like to break into this warehouse to like have a final confrontation with the old man, and he just shoves her in through this, and she like wails on the guy because the old guy gets her grandfather in a pretty sticky situation and she comes up and just clocks him with that <laughs> cane he has this cane this like marble-headed cane this little girl and i mean she's like what like six seven yeah. she just clocks the donkalus out of him and then they beat him almost nearly to death don't they kill him no ron perlman comes back and steps on his neck <laughs> breaks his neck i know it sounds really brutal it's 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 a you know it's a it's a brutal little film but not it doesn't relish revel in its brutality it's it's that del toro it's almost all it's almost so heightened in its cartoonishness that it's it's not as it's not as queasy inducing as it sounds like it's so stylized and the little girl doesn't talk yeah she says like two words in the whole movie yeah which Um, i think was a nice little addition to it yeah she's just very quiet she doesn't seem particularly traumatized by all this but I can only imagine what's going to happen. But eventually he just starts peeling peeling his skin off. We forgot about the roof fight scene. Does that happen before or after he peels, starts peeling it his happens, skin off? It um, happens before because he starts peeling his skin off when he's dying. Oh, that's right. That's right. He. Uh, oh, yeah. And he also sleeps in a coffin at one point yeah. or in her toy trunk. Yeah. She's got this toy trunk <sighs> full of creepy old toys. Dolls. she just lives on the roof right it's like her like little like play space bedroom is on the roof of their building in like a, like a, a refurbished like pigeon coop or something like <laughs> yep. a little greenhouse on top yeah but uh he sleeps in her coffin at one point oh, no. <laughs> he sleeps in her toy box at one point uh to get away from the daylight so and she just lets him she, she i think she like suggests it doesn't she she opens the toy box yeah yeah and he gets in and goes to sleep 
Um, so you're right. So Ron Perlman chases them out onto the roof of the of the building of the warehouse, and they yeah. fight in front of a clock logo. And he tries to kill the little girl. He does try to kill the little girl, and uh, he does not no. succeed. The old man Jesus, as in the Bible, no tackles him off the top of a building, <laughs> and they go smashing through the. Not as in the Bible. <laughs> He he tackles him off the top of the building, off this this giant sign, and they go plummeting down to the ground where Ron Perlman dies. And uh, Jesus, of course, lives. Oh, because the little girl puts the Kronos device on his chest Mm -hmm. to save him, which is nice. But then he rips it off and does what? Dies. What? No, he takes a giant rock. And... Smashes. smashes the chronos device oh yeah and just, the bug dies and the bug dies like that's another thing that he kills the bug the bug no longer has immortality he no longer has immortality and the final scene is this at the end of the movie it cuts to he's laying on a bed in his bedroom and the little girl is with him and then his wife walks in and holds his hand and it ends on this little tableau this like almost religious looking tableau of him dying in bed and that's kind of it um there's the, a lot of Jesus in it. There's a lot. It's so Del Toro has this thing where he sort of marries the ideas of like science and religion. Mm-hmm. It's nice. Sometimes science and magic, where there's like this weird. There's a really hazy line between which is which, and yeah. that's one thing you really start noticing in his movies. Is he has a obsession with technology? Okay. The Chronos device is definitely like a piece of man-made technology. Mm-hmm. Well, singular man-made technology yeah the chronos device is definitely like an invention it's a device Mm -hmm. um, that was constructed by people however the bug (laughs) however the bug comes but it's still never presented as like a magical bug or anything it's only presented as something that uh, the alchemist found or even alchemy though is like the weird marriage of science and magic like oh yeah it's it's the attempt to do the unnatural with the natural sciences yeah so maybe the alchemist created the bug. We're never really given a we're never really given a whole lot of backstory maybe on. Maybe the bug is from Pan, Pan's Labyrinth. Who knows? Who knows? Like, but it's definitely a creepy crawly. Like when you you see it, like you see it close up. Like, yeah. There's these shots inside the Chronos device, or they which use, are really cool. Um, not CGI. This is all done practically, and you see this really weird thing inside. It the looks Kronos like device. a giant mosquito. Yeah, kind of like a giant mosquito. Mixed with like a stinging bug. Yeah, like a scorpion-esque, like yeah. almost an arachnid, but pul- more pulsating than that. And drinks blood. And drinks blood. Because the tail itself is, the thing that comes out to stab you is around its tail. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. So it obviously has, it's scorpion-like, but it's pulsy. Yeah. <laughs> a pulsy, a pulsy scorpion with a stingy tail. One of the themes that that you'll see in a lot of Del Toro's films coming up, and definitely in this, is is the, is the human a human reduced to their animal impulses and like fighting those animal impulses, and we see that in Blade definitely, mm-hmm. um, but we'll see that also in uh, we'll see that in Hellboy struggling with his own nature, his nature yep. to be a creature. We'll even see that in Crimson Peak. We'll see that in um, well, not so much in in Pacific Rim, but. He he returns to these themes, like the animal that's inside us. Especially in Pan's Labyrinth. Right, exactly. Um, also, the, the hero who is 
a bit who is ruined by their own nature. The hero who is constantly, it, it, this ties in a little, I guess, with the animal thing. But the, uh, the notion like there's, here's your hero, but they're, they're kind of being done in by, uh, by their own mistakes. Because like Jesus is our hero. Uh, like he's our protagonist. We're following him and we're rooting for him. Yeah. But he got himself into the mess. Well, yeah. And the, the very thing that started this whole story, it's, it's what's undoing him. Like he's not going to win mm-hmm. except to, well, I guess, I guess. So there's my question is in your classic storytelling definition, like, you know, man versus nature, man versus machine. I don't know, that's the real one. Uh, <laughs> man versus himself. Like who's the antagonist in this movie? Well, there's a lot of answers to that question. There's a lot of bad guys in the movie, but who's the real antagonist? I thought it was the Cronus machine. You think it's the machine itself? Mm-hmm. Or the alchemist who made it. Uh, well, he's not even a player anymore. He's dead. I guess it, to me it's like the... Uh, like, what is Jesus fighting? Like, what is he... His urges to drink human blood. I actually don't know. Yeah, that's weird because that doesn't even kick in until later. Mm-hmm. Um, like the obvious answer would be the evil old man who just wants to live forever. But he's just a bad guy. Yeah, he, he doesn't even come into. Like, he doesn't. He doesn't even meet Jesus until the very like until like he halfway through and Jesus just walks away. Like he's not keeping Jesus from doing anything. No. Um, Ron Perlman. No, he's just a henchman. Like he's he's an obstacle, but he's not an antagonist. Um, or he's not the antagonist. He's a antagonist. An antagonist. I guess, like, to me, like, Jesus wins in the end. But, I mean, he does, he over, he fights the, I guess it is kind of the Kronos device, because he defeats the Kronos well, device in is the it end. the Kronos device, or is it the idea of immortality? Okay, well, let's take a look at that. Um, so, we have two old men in this story. Mm-hmm. We have Jesus and the other guy whose name I cannot remember. The evil villain dude who the wants villain. to live forever. The villain. Um, <laughs> who... I mean, how, I, we don't know. I mean, we know he's willing to do a lot of stuff with his, like, henchmen. Yeah. To, to get his way. We don't know how evil he actually is. I mean, he runs a business. Yeah. Um, we don't know if it's a good business or not. But, we know uh, that Ron Perlman in this movie definitely has some issues. He has issues. He has uncle issues. And wanting to murder little children issues. <laughs> but we, So we have two old men who are both... We have one man who's dying and trying to gain immortality. We have one man who's accidentally gained immortality... And isn't happy with the outcome. I don't think I would be either. Yeah, and it's and it's 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 a it's a tainted gift because he's forced to subsist on human blood, like, and it's just, and his skin is peeling off, and he's turning into a monster. Yeah, like he's literally becoming a mo- a vampire, mm-hmm. and but not like a sexy vampire either, like not a, Edward Cullen, like a creature of the night, and so you have these two old men who are working, who want the same thing. They both think they want the same thing which is youth and health um the the first old man the bad guy ends up dying in his pursuit of this thing in his pursuit of not dying right like in his pursuit of this object this chronos device um but it's jesus who chooses death over the immortality that's offered to him. Like he could keep using the Kronos device and go the way of the alchemist, who you mm-hmm. assume is like killing people left and right after a while just to get their How blood. How they not notice that? <laughs> who knows? Uh, just like kidnapping people and draining them of their blood. 
So Jesus chooses chooses death, and in yeah. that way, he overcomes the Kronos device. Like he yeah. he wins. Like he, he dies, but he wins. Mm-hmm. Uh, he beats it in that like sort of poetic way. Like I'm better than you. I'm bigger than you. I'm more powerful than you. But is he? I think so. I mean, I think the ending is happy. Uh, he dies. You know, it's bittersweet, but mm-hmm. he dies surrounded by his family. Um, that little girl's going to have some issues. That little girl's going to have some serious issues if she already didn't. Um, she's going to start identifying cockroach men after a while with her spoons. Stay tuned for Mimic. <laughs> um, but, I'm uh, so confused at first. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> but... So you you have this he's he's presented as almost a Jesus figure. He's named Jesus. Like he's given the name Jesus. He's named Jesus. Yes, I know, but we all know that that's Jesus. Yes. He's resurrected. He dies and he comes back. So mm-hmm. we have like the Christ imagery there. And that's totally deliberate. We see crosses throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. We see the Chronos device attached to his chest, which is a Catholic it 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 mirrors the the Sacred Heart imagery that with with the bloody heart at the chest of, yeah. uh, so it mirrors that like you get this sort of distorted religious imagery but he and he ends up dying in the end oh because he dies he chooses death to save his granddaughter because mm-hmm. she's cut she ends up receiving a cut yeah and he starts wigging out yeah so he starts freaking out because he wants to get her blood and that's when he smashes the chronos device yeah so in a way he does die to save her so I guess there's like a Jesus parallel. It's tricky. Like it's intentionally tricky. It's intentionally tricky. It's not black and white. It's not allegory. It's just it's symbolic. It's symbolism. It's not allegory. He dies to save the lives of people in, after him. Yeah. He doesn't want to become he doesn't want to go down that path. I was talking more about other people going down that path after him. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> well, like he doesn't just die. Yeah. He destroys the Kronos device. He could have left that around right and just oh i see what it. you're saying like to keep it from falling into anyone else's yeah. hands right he got rid of it for good unless there's more of those bugs out there but who knows we haven't seen we don't know if there's other chronos devices yeah but that'd be no because then we'd end up with a whole like hellraiser type series oh, with all yeah. these there's all these la Marchand's boxes and that series went downhill pretty quickly i don't know what you're talking about so Hellraiser, which actually has a little bit of a a little bit of parallel with this, in the sense that Hellraiser is about uh, a a device that was created by an inventor to access not immortality in the case of Hellraiser, but to access like the other side, and it's a puzzle box. And when you solve the puzzle, oh box, Hellraiser, yeah, when you solve the puzzle box, you bring in the powers of darkness. But it, but they are there are I guess there are parallels that whole like. This is a device created by people to access something that's metaphysical, mm-hmm. but, and also that will give you what you want. Like both devices give you exactly what you want, but it ends up being a terrible thing. So yeah, there is, there's a, I think there is a, I think there is a, a, an avenue to go down comparing Hellraiser with, with Kronos. But that's not what we're here to but do. But that's not what we're here to do. We are not exploring the works of Clive Barker. We are exploring the works of Guillermo del Toro, <laughs> uh, fashion, fashion icon. Uh, With his culinary specialist, beard aficionado, not Hobbit director, but Blade 2 director. Forgive us for forgetting Blade 2. Oh, wait, what do you like think about Kronos? Like, do you like it? 
It was a really good movie. Yeah? Yeah. I don't usually like old movies, and it's not even that old. It's not even that old, but you were definitely not born when it came out. No. No. Oh, I thought you said you were definitely not bored when it came out, and I was like, I wasn't alive. <laughs> you weren't alive. No, I saw Kronos um, in college when it was first released on video. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had read about it in the paper. It got like limited release, like in art house films, theaters in America, and uh, I got it as soon as it came out on video just because I'd read some interesting things about it. I watched it with my friend uh, Liza. I just remember she lived on our in our dorm, and I was like, hey, you want to watch this movie? I don't want to watch it by myself because it's scary, I think. <laughs> And uh, I just remember she was like, this is really weird. And I just remember thinking, this is a really odd film. I liked Ron Perlman. I liked the, I liked that it was an unusual, it didn't go down, it didn't go the direction you think it's going to go. Yeah. And it had an interesting take on vampires. Um, I don't know. I think I'm going to prefer the strange take on vampires. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I do like Kronos. Uh, I think it's a movie that I, I think I go back to it every few years, happily revisit it. Um, well, this is the first time I've seen it. <laughs> yeah, it's not perfect, but uh, but it's definitely a good starting place, I think, for a director. Like, no one points to it as his best film, mm-hmm. but that's... It a, is still his first film. But that's a good place for... Like, you don't want your best film to be your first film. No, that's a terrible, terrible, <laughs> terrible thing to do. Because then it's just all downhill from there. So, Kronos, uh, I, get a, I give a big thumbs up. Oh, yeah. yeah. Totally worth the watch. Yeah, if and- horror isn't your thing or really depressing movies aren't your thing... Don't watch it. Right. You know, if you're not, you know, obviously. But if you're not into horror, what are you doing listening to Game of Tutorial podcast? That's really that's really weird. Like, I guess maybe you saw Pacific Rim and you're like, ah, oh, what else? What other giant robot movies has this guy done? None, none more. He has done none more giant robot movies. None more. But uh but no, there's a great criterion edition of Kronos, uh, with a great, great packaging, just great everything. Uh, if you want to pick up the Criterion Edition of Kronos, well worth the pickup. Next time, our movie will be... Mimic. Mimic. One you, of my favorites. You like the Bugses. Boy, do we have a Bugsy movie for you. Also, a quite Miramaxy movie. If if you grew up and grew up in the 90s watching movies. So yeah, so if you want to take a look at Mimic, um, his next movie, his first major Hollywood production, one that left people... <laughs> Which... He hated doing which he hated doing it left a lot of people very disappointed it was a troubled production but i still think even though it's not a perfect film it's got some great things going for it we'll find more del toroisms in there bugs's spoons uh, clockwork old men spoons quiet kids spoons and shoes and spoons i'm phil i'm oliver join us next week when we'll have a title for this podcast <laughs> <laughs>